Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. We hope the Ringer can provide you entertainment and companionship during this time. So as always, feel free to check out theringer.com, where we're still covering the latest in sports, pop culture, tech, and media. And the Ringer's YouTube channel can provide endless amounts of entertainment. You can find that at youtube.com slash theringer. Hey, this is Danny Heifetz. Before we get to the podcast, we want to let everyone know that we made a lot of fun of the Jets receiving core in this episode. But while we were recording, the New York Jets signed Rashad Perriman to a one-year deal for $8 million. Obviously, that changes everything about the Jets receiving core. So while you're listening to this episode, please keep in mind that we did not know this critical information while we were laughing about the Jets. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast on the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Danny Heifetz and I am joined as always by my co-host and my co-daddy, the hero we need and the analyst we deserve, the Dark Knight himself, Danny Kelly. How are you doing, DK? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well, man. How are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing, you know, I'm making the best of the circumstances, man. Yeah. That's how I feel like I'm doing. Craig, how are you doing? I am also making the best of the circumstances, as it seems like Todd Gurley is, too. How about that, huh? <laughs> Going back home to Georgia for Todd. Good landing spot for him. Craig wants my spot as the Segway guy. Craig wants to be Danny's Segway Danny's pissed. Guy. He's like, I'm a hey, little wait mad. a minute. I felt like I, felt like I was just, cu- <laughs> I, I got tabletopped right there. I'm lurking in the wake. The wake of what? Of your lack of Segways recently. <laughs> <laughs> wow, shots fired. Okay, well, it's on. We're going to recap free agency, but I think we hit kind of, you know, the, the the splashy ones, you know, Tom Brady, DeAndre Hopkins, like the guys you got push notifications for, but there's been a whole wave of free agent moves since then. So we're going to go through skill guys, the, the Todd Gurley's, the Melvin Gordon's, the fantasy implications, all that, the wake, if you will. Mm. Uh, it's not my best. We'll figure it out. Okay. And then we got a mailbag <laughs> after that. We are going to do a mail. It's not really. We need an update. It's more like an inbox, isn't it? I, no one has mailbags anymore. It's it's an inbox. Okay, maybe right? I'll change that. Sure. There we go. The inbox. I think. All right. Yeah. All right. Anyway, free agency moves. Yeah, Craig. You mentioned Todd Gurley. Yeah, Rams cut Gurley. Falcons signed Gurley. DK. What are the fantasy implications from that? Well, I think obviously it makes Gurley still a factor in fantasy, and and we kind of figured that would be the case that he would end up somewhere. But in this case, he's kind of the guy there. I mean. Um, I guess you could factor in Ido Smith or any of the kind of backup players there, but it, it looks like Gurley is still going to be the lead back um, going forward. And I think, you know, he, he was already on a steep decline from his, I guess, his reign as the king of fantasy football. And I think he will continue to kind of go down. I think just because last year he definitely benefited from getting a ton of first, you know, uh, goal line carries for the Rams and, um, just being the guy for them still, despite all the kind of rumors that he was going to slowly fade into the background. But um, I think, yeah, so his overall value continues to drop a little bit, but at the very least, he, he's definitely worth still drafting in redraft leagues. Wait, so you think Gurley's less valuable in the Falcons than he was on the Rams? I do, yeah. I think he's just going to, I feel like he's going to have fewer goal line opportunities in that offense, probably. He's, there's more miles to feed, potentially, in that offense. It's just a different offense for him. 
I just don't, I don't think, I don't see him all of a sudden having like a second wind and getting faster and more explosive than he was last year. I think we can can continue to expect him to like sort of just be a lesser version of Todd Gurley going forward. So, do you think that's not that crazy, right? Heifetz? I mean, you think Todd Gurley's going to be better on the Falcons than he was on the Rams, even last year's season? I agree that, I mean, the red zone carries are probably going to drop because he had, or not goal line carries, because I think he had the third most goal line carries in the league last year. But, that I don't know about more mouths to feed in Atlanta because I mean they have a uh, you know a bunch of young running backs, but every team does. I, you know they have got Ito Smith and was a Quadri Allison, but the Rams are more invested in Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson than I think the Falcons are in their young guys. So I I'm not convinced that the Falcons are going to be more about rotating in than Gurley was. I mean I guess it makes sense though. I mean Gurley touched the ball 17 times a game last year and had the third most red zone carries. I'd be kind of surprised if he matched those numbers in Atlanta. I also yeah, and I also just kind of look at the the Rams. You know, for as much as we make about their passing offense, McVeigh is very, very much dedicated to being a running team. And he, you know, he's he's made that clear that that's like the the foundation of his offense, the run game. And Todd Gurley was like a perfect fit for so long in that in that offense last year. Obviously, they kind of fell off the map, but I don't know if if the Falcons are necessarily that dedicated to the run. They've got Julio, they got Calvin Ridley, you know, they've got some really they Matt Ryan, who's a great passer. And so I just feel like they're not going to be as quite as dedicated to the run as the as the Rams are. Yeah. And let's not forget Todd Gurley, and we're going to discuss we're not going to discuss if it's 10 team league or 12 team league as standard, but Todd Gurley was an <laughs> RB1 last year. He was the RB12 in 14 games, and he also had 14 touchdowns. I want to ban the term RB1 from this pod because it's too confusing between the number one RB and a team's RB1. But yes. I don't really think it's that confusing. Yeah, DK and I are on the same (laughs) wavelength with that. It's an RB1 or the RB1. That's so much to ask of me. It's so much to ask of the listener. I just, I could not morally or practically disagree more. But flip side, the Rams, it's left. Gurley leaves behind Malcolm Brown, who has been in the backfield for longer. Then they have Daryl Henderson, who is the guy they drafted last year out of Memphis. Uh, Didn't really touch the ball last year, but is considered to have higher upside. DK. Which of these guys do you like more to get the job in 2020? And do you think they add a third guy or do you want one of these guys? And if so, how good are they going to be? Daryl Henderson is like the post type sleeper of the of the year because he had a ton of hype going into last season. People had really, really high hopes. And then he ended up basically doing nothing, as you alluded to. Um, they They put him in there here and there towards the end of the season. And he did flash at times, but... Um, there was kind of these ideas that he was having trouble kind of picking up their offense, picking up their blocking scheme. He didn't look very good in the preseason. So, and then they just basically leaned on Gurley most of the season. So I do think that Malcolm Brown is going to have a pretty big role. I, I see that as right now, you can tentatively sort of describe it as what's going to be a committee approach, I think, with those two guys. I think D- Daryl Henderson has way more upside, and I'm way more, I'd be way more excited about taking Henderson. Um, but I think practically speaking, Malcolm Brown is going to be a factor. He's going to be a fantasy factor. And I wouldn't be surprised if they got another back, but I'd see those two guys as kind of the top two options. They have so many other needs. They have so few picks and, and so little cap space that I I don't know if I could see them going with another running back after trading up to get Henderson last season. So I don't know if it just makes any sense for them to invest much. They took him with the 70th pick. That was kind of the main tea leaf for Todd Gurley being gone soon. Uh, can you remind everyone what Daryl Henderson's profile coming out of Memphis was like? Because he had some wild numbers. He was, yeah, he's he was like a very, very exciting prospect. You know, he averaged 
off the top of my head, it was like eight something yards per carry at Memphis last season. He was yeah, just ridiculously, like yeah, ridiculously explosive. You know, he's not the type of guy that will make you miss behind the line of scrimmage. He's kind of straight line-ish, but he's very much a slasher who can pick up chunk plays, you know, hit like, you know, the home run. You know, very, very exciting player. He has good balance, all that stuff. I really liked him as a prospect. And I was very excited when he went to the Rams just because prior to last season, the Rams were a juggernaut-type offense. And so I thought, oh, that's an awesome fit. It didn't really materialize in year one, but I, I still have high hopes for Henderson. And I think that he can be a good player. I don't know if he's a bell cow like like Gurley, though. He's he's maybe not that type of every-down guy for them. So that's why I kind of see that. How much stock do you guys put in the fact that McVay drafted Henderson and didn't... I mean, I know Malcolm Brown was undrafted, but how much stock do you put in the fact that he was a coach's pick and Malcolm Brown was not? I don't know. A pretty decent amount. I mean, they're different kinds of players. Uh but in general, I think that's always a really wise thing because, I mean, forget fantasy for a second. Just in general, coaches like to bring in their own guys. I mean, in general, people like to work with people they've worked with in the past. Like, I mean, you look at just the Panthers or the Bills this week. They Sean McDermott was the defense coordinator for the Panthers. Brandon Bean was the GM for the Panthers. And they brought in like four Panthers this week. None of them were on offense, but Josh Norman, uh, Mario Addison, AJ Klein, and um, I'm forgetting a fourth, but they, they brought... I mean, almost a half dozen former guys in the year of 2020 from Carolina to Buffalo. You see that. I mean, how many former Titans, how many former Patriots have gone to Detroit or the Titans? Like, it really happens a lot. So I think any time there's familiarity, it's more than 50. Like, I, that always gives a guy more of a leg up than I think we, we think. And I think that especially applies with McVay and, like, wanting to have his guy with Daryl Henderson. But I'm concerned that he got, like, 10 carries in November and December combined. So <laughs> that that's... Is, um, yeah, that's legit. I, I, so... That's the problem. And I mean, you know how much I love blocking. And I always wonder with this one, is it the Rams offensive line was such a disaster that he needed to master his blocking assignment. So Jared Goff didn't get killed. And that's where the one part of me is wondering about with Gurley, because the Falcons have way more talent on the offensive line. And I mean, Falcons actually have 10 first rounders on their off- on their offense <laughs> right. out of 11 starters, which I don't I believe has never happened before in NFL history. It's the most first rounders ever on a starting offense. So I am curious about Gurley behind a better line than the Rams in 2019. But at the same time, if Henderson's the starter for the Rams, it's a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, if Henderson is the starter for the Rams and he's he's what they envision as the bell cow, then I mean, he's a he's a pretty high pick in redraft leagues. And I and when he was picked Henderson, I remember McVeigh, I think multiple times compared him to Lance Dunbar of all people kind of like a change of pace well that doesn't make so me feel specific. good right that doesn't what if I was like DK good. you're the Lance Dunbar of podcasting <laughs> that's like how would you take yeah that? that is that's it's not great but Todd Gurley was not the only running back who left an LA team and signed somewhere else this week Melvin Gordon solid segue the- there we go. Thanks. Can you start grading me at a 10 and then we're going we're gonna to average me out? We're going to do fantasy segue podcasters and have a whole league. That'll be great. We'll have a fa- yeah, fantasy league. That'd be good, actually. Uh, Melvin Gordon leaves the Chargers, signs the division rival Broncos. We will leave the whole discussion of his contract and everything completely to the side and just get to fantasy. Biggest winner out of this, Austin Eckler, right? So far, yeah. So, yeah, Austin Eckler is left alone with the Chargers and then him and Justin Jackson. And then there's the Broncos with Lindsey, Royce Freeman. It's a whole mess. But let's, yeah, sticking with the Chargers. Is Austin Eckler, like, tell, convict, tell me why he's not a top five guy, DK. Is he not, like, what's, what's the problem here? I don't know if he's a top five guy, 
going into the season, if Tyrod Taylor is the quarterback in, uh, I wanted to say San Diego, in Los Angeles, then it does kind of complicate things a little bit because generally speaking, mobile quarterbacks are less, a little bit more hesitant to just check it down in, ter- in terms of they like to, you know, run instead. That's kind of there's a correlation between mobile quarterbacks and and a negative correlation between mobile. You quarterbacks think Phil Rivers and, and is not mobile? <laughs> yeah, I think that that's the kicker for all of this, right? Is that we don't know what the Chargers' offense is going to look like without Philip Rivers. I mean, right. everything may change. We don't know. I mean, Philip Rivers is kind of the checkdown king, and that's why Austin Eckler could could flourish. So yeah. that is the only thing. Maybe he becomes like a... I actually kind of see Austin Eckler first. I think it... Honestly, I still stick by this. I think it's because he's really small. I think he would be like a early, early second round pick. And Eckler caught like 90 plus catches. He caught 90 catches. He caught 90 plus passes last season. And I don't know if that's going to happen in this offense going forward. You know, we we really... It's, it's again, we don't really know exactly how that offense is going to look. We don't even know who the quarterback is going to be. Yeah, you know, throughout the whole season, so those are huge, huge factors when you're trying to project how many points these guys are going to score. So that would be my only hesitation. I love Eckler; he's explosive. Looks right now like he's the lead back um, with the Chargers, but I, we just really don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty with that, so that makes me a little bit hesitant to like call him a lock solid first round pick. DK, who's the hidden winner? So, kind of along the same lines of, you know, with the the Ronald Jones thing is is I see a hidden winner here as Devin Singletary in Buffalo because there was a lot of people connecting Gordon to Buffalo. And in fact, um they there was a rumor that, you know, Gordon's uh Gordon's agent reached out to to Buffalo and then they ended up not offering him a deal. So Number one, it's good that he didn't sign in Buffalo because Singletary would have been relegated probably to like a committee back at the very least, possibly a backup there. And so Singletary remains the starter, at least for now, depending on what happens in the draft. We don't know. But I think it's a good sign that, number one, he's still there. He's still the lead guy. Number two, according to Adam Schefter, they did not offer Gordon a contract. So that, to me, points to their confidence in Singletary being the guy for them this season. So I think... He's a hidden winner, at least for now. Again, we have to wait until the draft to kind of figure everything out, but um, he's kind of hanging on to that starting job still. What about the flip side? So Gordon ends up in Denver. They already have Philip Lindsay, and they have Royce Freeman. They spent a second rounder on Royce Freeman. They got Philip Lindsay as an undrafted free third, agent. I think he was a third, but yeah. A, th- a third rounder? Whatever. 70th pick, end of second, beginning of the third. <laughs> Wait, it just well, actually, me right there. But they have Philip <laughs> well, Lindsay matters. who became like yeah. a quick... Well, yeah, but they had a Philip Lindsay became like a like a hometown hero because, you know, he's from the area, went to school in the area. So two, I mean, really popular. Guys. And now Melvin Gordon's coming in. So do you think that he's taking snaps away from Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman? And what does this do to their value? Like, where, where I mean, are you excited about Melvin Gordon in Denver? No. Uh, well, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Gordon is a good fantasy value in Denver. I thought you were going to ask me about Philip Lindsay. I'm not excited about Philip Lindsay anymore. And I just think, you know, for whatever reason, the Broncos, I think, seem to get frustrated with Lindsay last season. Royce Freeman now is completely off the fantasy map. But why were they frustrated with Philip Lindsay? Well, I just, well, I think um, the the moves that they've made, the, the rumors throughout the offseason is what I'm kind of referring to. Like, they talked about bringing in someone to not only, like, maybe push him or, or split cares with him. Now they sign a guy like Gordon who could potentially be the starter and Lindsay could what be relegated like $8 million to a year. That's not, that's not pushing him. That's pushing him to the bench. Right. And, you know, with uh, Shermer in Denver now, he's traditionally kind of gone with a bell cow back in his offenses. So 
I really don't even know what it, I don't know if Lindsay is just going to be a straight backup now. Like it, it's very, very interesting. I've always thought he was a very talented guy, very explosive, tough. You know, he's obviously under 200 pounds, so he doesn't pack a lot of punch, but he's, he's like the most tenacious runner. I always thought he was really, really good. So I guess my confusion was why they don't love him more and why they felt the need to bring in Gordon. Maybe he, maybe they just don't know if he can like last throughout a whole season at that weight. And that's part of the reason that they platooned him and him and Royce Freeman last season for most of the season. Obviously that's a different coaching staff last year, but um, or a different offensive coordinator last year, but I, I, I don't know. It's just going to be, I have no confidence. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to be picking a lot of Philip Lindsay at this point. I think Gordon looks to me like the clear lead guy there. And like you said, the the money would point to that too. And so, yeah, it's, it's a huge, huge factor there. And I think Royce Freeman, at least hopefully he catches on somewhere else because he's, you know, the type of guy that I think could be in a committee back some backfield somewhere. He he was always a little bit like, he's just kind of like a solid player last year, you know, c- can catch some passes, can, you know, do a little damage on the ground, not super exciting or anything like that, but a, a solid running back. So hopefully he gets traded or cut and catches on somewhere else. Melvin Gordon. I, I, I was so shocked when I saw this, uh, Melvin Gordon has broken a thousand yards one time in his career. He's at finished the season with 3.9 yards per carry more than one in a season once. And he is, started more than 13 games in a season once. So I, I taking someone like Philip Lindsay, even if I, he's been struggling, I I'm giving Gordon like 8 million bucks. I was just surprised even though the Broncos have a better offensive line. So I, I don't like any part of this and I, I don't really know if I want any of these players, this <laughs> right. season, Lindsay Freeman or Gordon. This falls into the bucket where you're like just avoiding all these players and drafts. Where do you guys see Melvin Gordon from a talent standpoint? I think the, the water's kind of muddied on, on him. I feel like he used to be considered like a top seven back talent wise. Mm-hmm. Like, like if I just picked a, like who do you think is more talented miles Sanders or, or Melvin Gordon? Like right now versus Melvin Gordon right now. Yeah. Or, yeah. Mean, Sanders. I want Sanders, Sanders easily. Yeah. yeah. Chris Carson. Carson. Uh, there's, they're sort of similar, but yeah, I would say Carson like Mark, probably. is he in like the Mark Ingram, Marlon Mack, Devin Singletary category, or is he even lower? I would probably put Ingram a little bit higher to be honest. And, in pure talent, he's older, obviously, but I would probably I mean, put him in the, the, like, the We'll see. We'll see with yeah. Gordon because his whole thing was like, well, you know, he he needed to get in a flow, and now he's got a chance to get in a flow. But I I I think he's gotten a lot of stuff out of volume in one excellent season in 2017. Yeah, but as unexcited as I am about the Gordon to the Broncos, something that actually does titillate me: Emmanuel Tittle. Sanders signed with the Saints. Uh, I think this is awesome. The Saints have not had a real number two receiver. Uh, since Brandon Cooks was traded in twenty in March of like 2017 or April 2017, <laughs> so they've just let Michael Thomas be the number one, and then basically the number two receiver on the Saints, but in terms not the position but the production has basically just been Alvin Kamara, Kamara. I get the wrong every Kamara. time. It's it's, um, it's the off season. Kamara, and then their tight end. It's basically been the two three, and then how dare you say that about Ted Ginn? Come on, uh, I'm just kidding. You, I'm kidding. Look, man, I know you love Ted Ginn, but I got <laughs> Ted. You know what this move is? This move is sending Ted Ginn to a farm upstate. You know, you know why this Ted Ginn thing started? Do you even remember? Like every time I, Ted I, Ginn you does said anything. Ted Ginn would be a sleeper, and then Kevin and Mays <laughs> laughed you off the pod, and yeah. then you were right. Isn't that what happened? Yeah, some like something like that. So every time Ted Ginn does anything, people, I get so many ats about Ted Ginn. So I'm like the Ted Ginn truther, even though. I didn't. I didn't set out to be a Ted Ginn truther, but here we are. 
All right, well, Ted Ginn, truther. How what does Emmanuel Sanders look like in the Saints' offense? Because hopefully he's not Ted Ginn. He's more than Ted Ginn, right? Like, what is he going to be doing in this offense? And then how good do you think he's going to be? I mean, I think it's an awesome fit. I think it's going to be, you know, really good. Why is it for an awesome Saints. fit? I mean, Sanders is a wily veteran, very good route runner, very crafty receiver overall. He's obviously on the older side, but I think in an offense where Drew Brees isn't necessarily chucking it down the field a ton, um, you know, his arm isn't what it used to be. I think Sanders makes a lot of sense just because he can get open. He's, he's, you know, like I said, he's crafty. He's got great hands. He can make circus catches when he needs to. Um, but it gives it gives Breeze another guy besides Thomas that he can really rely on. And you know, so assuming he can stay healthy, Sanders, um, I think he does. He is a good threat down the field too. You know, he has that like top take the top of defense type talent. But he, he's, I think he's more just going to be effective as you know, like a possession receiver, because that's really what the offense, that offense is nowadays. And so um, it just, it takes the pressure off of Thomas to be the guy on every single third down on every key play. And, you know, Sanders is a very, very good player. He's still underrated. He was hurt a lot of last season. So we kind of just forgot about him a little bit, but I mean, he's a really good player. And so I think it's a good fit for him. I don't know if he's going to necessarily be a huge fantasy factor. In fact, and, and, you know, kind of conversely, like this might take Thomas's upside down a little bit. I mean, he, I still think he's probably going to go into the season as the, the clear-cut wide receiver one, but maybe it lowers his ceiling just because Sanders is going to be stealing some targets going forward. Craig, what do you think? I think this is a better football move than a fantasy move for Emmanuel Sanders. I would yeah. have actually probably preferred he stayed in San Francisco if I could have chosen it. I just don't think there's a ton of room without Michael Thomas or with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara in the mix. I mean, I, I was reading, everybody should check out Matthew Berry's Love Hate. His newest Love Hate came out recently and uh, it's really good. And he was talking about Emmanuel Sanders and just about how the Saints just, they don't really have a lot of room to operate with this, with the number two wide receiver. I mean, last year, 5.8 targets were given to people not named Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. All of them, everyone else per game. Wow. And, and it was only 3.5 receptions per game for everybody else. And it's like, even if all of those went to Emmanuel Sanders, that doesn't really put him too high in the fantasy radar. So, yeah, I just think this is a really great move. And in the playoffs for the Saints, this is an awesome uh, acquisition. But in fantasy, I'm not too excited. Yeah. So on that note, I have a name game. I have a, I have a, a guessing game for you guys. Player A. 66 catches, 870 yards, five touchdowns. Player B, 56 catches, 690 yards, seven touchdowns. This is a very Matthew Berry thing of you to do. I know. It's, it's, a, good, it's, a, very, it's a very good segue. We're, well, it's not a segue. We're staying on topic. <laughs> player A. So basically, player A had 10 more catches. They had 180 more yards and two fewer touchdowns. Player A is Emmanuel Sanders in 2019. Player B is every wide receiver on the Saints except Michael <laughs> Thomas combined in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, wow. he literally outproduced them by a lot last year alone. <laughs> so, I mean, with he that had 869 mind, but, yards in that offense last season. Well, uh, he was traded from the Broncos. But see, he got 17 okay. games because he didn't that have a bye sense. week. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's the caveat. But still, he can take a 17th off that. He still outproduced all the Saints wide receivers. But my question for you guys is, is that a cause or an effect of their roster is that are the saints targeting their receivers or sorry are the saints not targeting the receivers because their receivers are bad because ted ginn is their number two and he would probably be a three or four on literally every other team in the league <laughs> or are they not going and getting receivers because sean payton doesn't need a second receiver oh that's that's a tough question to answer that's the age-old question i don't know i kind of tend to lean towards the latter 
they don't need to and it's not really in their plans i mean it's not like they rushed out to replace brandon cooks and i mean when he left anyway yeah they traded away they traded away jimmy graham and brandon cooks yeah, yeah. basically when i see a stat like like matthew Barry's stat of like oh well they never target other receivers i think that that's changing because they did this i think that sean payton because he has as much influence in signings as anyone except like bill o'brien and bill belichick at this point uh Sean Payton's basically saying, all right, Emmanuel Sanders is going to have a bigger part of our offense than Ted Ginn and Traquan Smith have been having. So I think that this one, I like this one a lot. And I think that he actually might be underrated for, for those reasons. Are you going to, can you, are you going to make a bold prediction that he goes over a thousand yards or anything like that? I feel like uh, now I have to, because if not, I'm just like, it's this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it in. Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. Pencil it in. I've got a big eraser. Emmanuel Sanders over a thousand yards in 20, 2020. There you go. <laughs> all right happening all right another one this one much much more under the radar i hate that phrase someone you didn't get a push notification about robbie anderson <laughs> signing with the carolina panthers mm. uh, aside from just jets fans being absolutely desolate because they have the worst receiving group in the league actually that's kind of fun can we stick on that for a second are any of what do the jets receivers have to do for you to draft them in fantasy football what the <laughs> hell do you do <laughs> I mean, I would draft Crowder at this point because he's going to get like a thousand targets. Because who else do they have in that offense? I mean, I could read the names, but you would uh, people will think some of them are fake. Crowder's going to be like the first receiver to have like 110 catches and under 900 yards or something. I mean, they've got Jamison Crowder, Quincy Anunwa actually weirdly has some chemistry with. Sim yeah, Bone. but he's probably Josh not Bellamy. Anunwa was like trying to come back from a very serious neck back injury, and I don't think he's going to play. Exactly. They, so they got Crowder, Anunwa, Josh Bellamy who has been floating around. Josh okay. Doxson, who's a bus from Washington. Oh, wow. Uh, and then Braxton Berrios. Uh-huh. And then, dude, some guys who I, I, I have never... Do you guys... Okay, do you guys remember last year? I believe it was... I, I think... I mean, I know it was week one. I, I think it, Crowder had like 19 or 20 targets in their first game, or one of their first games. Yes. Yeah, he had 14 catches, I think. <laughs> this is what... I can, I'm on it. Is he honestly going to do that like every game now? So the Jets are going to be bad. What does this do for, to you for the Panthers? Because so the Panthers already have DJ Moore, who is mm-hmm. one of the probably sleeper trendiest picks going to this year. They already have Curtis Samuel. So DJ Moore, I believe, runs a four four two forty yard dash or ran one. Robbie Anderson ran a four four one, and then uh, Curtis Samuel ran like a four three. So is the Panthers have the and then Christian McCaffrey in the backfield? Do the Panthers have the fastest offense in football? They yeah, but they, it's like they have like an it's like an eighty year old man driving a Ferrari with Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> back there. Well, that's what I'm wondering. That's what I'm getting at is because they they're they're I mean I think they're the fastest team other than Kansas City, but Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback. But they have Joe Brady, who is the LSU passing game coordinator, offensive coordinator, whatever. But it, I mean Joe Brady, who just built this crazy LSU offense that broke every record in college football, now has the second fastest group of players in football. So, but Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback. So, DK, what do you make of that? going into fantasy this year honestly i have no idea and i love your honesty i mean i could it's march a, i could make a bold Wisdom. prediction about it i my first reaction was it that this signing doesn't really make sense <laughs> i mean i think robbie anderson is a good player in the sense that he can stretch the, the defense he can go deep you know he had he did show flashes where he was a really talented pass catcher with the Jets. They just never really got the most out of him. I don't know if going and playing with Teddy Bridgewater is going to get the most out of him either, though. The 
caveat that I'll say and and the variable that we don't really know yet is what Joe Brady brings to this offense. Like, is Joe Brady going to turn Teddy Bridgewater into this high-flying, deep-passing guy like he did, or at least like he was partly responsible for doing with Joe Burrow last year? Because Burrow, as you remember, towards the second half of 2018, was just kind of like way, way under the radar, Danny, as you would hate to hear. Um, He was under the radar as a college prospect, and then all of a sudden, in this spread offense that they designed in LSU, he was a college football god. Like, he was unstoppable. And so, I'm not saying that Teddy Bridgewater is going to do that with the Panthers, but I am very, very curious to see if they can kind of, like, unlock that deep ball part of Bridgewater's game. And it seems like that's what they're going to try to do because Robbie Anderson, that's his biggest, I think, talent is getting deep and, and being that field stretcher. Curtis Samuel, as we've talked about many times, had the most unrealized air yards in the NFL last year. Very good deep passer. They just couldn't get on the same page with Kyle Allen at all. So you've got two very good deep deep receivers, good speedy receivers to get down the field. And it seems like a waste if you're not going to be targeting those guys. So I'm very, very confused and very, very curious how this is all going to work out. I still think DJ Moore and uh, Christian McCaffrey are by far the the one and two in this offense in terms of the passing game. But yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. The other thing to keep in mind is Matt Rule actually coached Robbie Anderson in college. So there was that coaching connection. So I don't know. We'll see. Love the coaching connections. And if this were Westworld, I would be arguing that Joe Burrow was Ted Brady, Ted, where Teddy Bridgewater was Joe Burrow the whole time. Just so you know, amazing. I'm excited for that plot twist. Uh, all right, before we get to the mailbag, let's just run through a couple others. Nelson Aguilar and Jason Witten went to the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders are probably the only team that might give the Jets a run for their money with how bad their receivers are. But they've got Tyrell Williams, Aguilar now, Hunter Renfro, Zay Jones. So they're still better than the Jets. Uh, Darren Waller and Witten at tight end. I think Witten's, this is a culture move, right? This is Witten. I guess. He's like the assistant coach who's corralling <laughs> all these 21-year-olds who are going to live in Las Vegas and be like, all right, come on, chill, guys. Like, I feel like that's really what this is. It's like a, a dad. Foster Moreau looked pretty good last year as the, as the number two tight end. So I don't know. This doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah, Witten will be doing like press at a casino. <laughs> I think he's the come. highest paid babysitter in America, is Jason <laughs> yeah. Witten. That's what this is. Eric Ebron to the Steelers. I think this is a tight end move that actually is interesting because mm-hmm. Ebron, I mean, obviously had the 13 touchdowns in 2018. He had him like 66 catches or something, some absurd rate. Last year ended with ankle surgery on both ankles. Uh, I think he's going to make Steelers fans feel immense joy and immense pain in the same game often this year. <laughs> same yeah. for fantasy owners. That's, That's my take. Standard, yes. And then Jack Doyle and the Colts, now that Ebron is off the Colts, Jack Doyle maybe for the third year in a row will be a great tight end sleeper. Maybe mm. this is the year for Jack Doyle and Ebron. How about that? <laughs> there we this, go. Honestly, this is kind of the year of the of the quiet tight end. There's a lot of a lot of sneaky tight ends. Yeah. It's kind of the opposite. Like last, last year, year was the year of the quiet tight end. Maybe no, this, the, this is like the year sleepers. of the. This is the year of like the yeah, where you don't actually feel like it's a it's an empty pit. Now there's some things down there. Yeah, the tight end resurgence, and then just some housekeeping. Uh, look, Deion Lewis signed with the Giants. Um, you know, I think that's just a Patriot guy coming back to be with Joe Judge now that he's running the Giants. Uh, you know, handcuffed for Saquon Barkley, whatever. Philip Dorsett signing with the Seahawks. I mean, I don't think this means anything. It's he's still behind Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. I mean, I, I don't think that I'd be surprised yeah. if. He's a role, he's a role player. Yeah. And then the the Niners added Travis Benjamin. I mean, they lost Emmanuel Sanders, but I mean, is this anything to you, DK? Travis Benjamin on the Niners? Not really. I still think I, th- I think Debo and Kittle are still the clear cut guys there. Yeah. And then Washington. I 
I mean, they signed running backs Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick. I, I, I see nothing here either because they've got Adrian Peterson and Darius Geist still. So, nah, if, any, if anything, I'm staying away from the Redskins backfield overall. Always a good move. Stay away yeah. from Washington. Mailbag! No, sorry. Inbox! <laughs> okay, wait. Can I just start with these first two here? Because they're hilarious. Yeah. Yes, please. Why okay, so... <laughs> So once when the ringer tweeted out, uh, oh, we're doing a mailbag. So like one of the first comments, it was like 9.56 a.m. This person named Blames Dolan, great name, said, can I fits tone it down a bit in the intro of each episode? <laughs> and literally like at 10.04 a.m., like eight minutes later, Matt Deegan said, actually, can I fits tone it up a bit in the intro of each episode? So I just want you to know that everyone notices we're all in on it. <laughs> Thank you, Matt Deegan. I will be totally acutely up. aware of how you do the intros going forward. I, I, I will be acutely aware. Thank you to Matt Deegan. Wow. <laughs> Whose side wow. are you on, everybody? America, are you on Blames Dolan's side or Matt Deegan's side? Get out of here, Blames <laughs> Dolan. Not welcome here anymore. DK, uh, whose side are you on? Oh, I absolutely want him to keep doing it. I mean, you want to tone it, but if you had to tone it up or tone it down, what's your pick? If anything, he's got to tone it up, man. Yeah, oh, damn it. I mean, are you really going to try and rely on me to bring the energy? Let's be honest. Danny, I'm going to have to contact Spotify, see if we can get some extra extra strength microphones to send to Hypus' <laughs> house. Danny's the energy of the podcast. I'm a little like even, I'm a little too even keeled probably. And I'm the wild card. Yeah, yeah. I'm just tossing yeah, Craig is the wild there. card, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, stay on the inbox. Stay on track here, people. Um, Damon, Damon Anglin asked, what is who, who is a player you think will be going in the first round in drafts this year that is not going to finish as a first round player? As a as a top twelve player, a top yes. A top, this is I'm, I do not have the speaking of energy. I don't have the energy to have this <laughs> argument right now. We have a long running <laughs> argument whether ten or twelve is actually standard in leagues, and I just don't have time. The top twelve players on Fantasy Pros rankings right now are Christian McCaffrey, Saquon, Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Thomas, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. Come on, damn it. Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Tyreek Hill. Who of those 12 do you guys think will not finish as a top 12 pick? Or worthy of a top 12 pick? DK? This is so tough because, I mean, these guys are first round picks for a reason. <laughs> They're, you know, projected to be very, very good. I feel like I lean Aaron Jones and not because I don't like Aaron Jones. I really do like Aaron Jones a lot. But just the touchdown thing is going to be very difficult for him to reproduce and be that elite player now is that going to push him out of the top 12 at running backs i don't know honestly it might not even if he does regress in the in the, in the touchdowns department he still might end up being an rb1 but um i just think you know he had he had 19 touchdowns last season i believe and that is going to be very very difficult to reproduce going forward even if he it's is more than a touchdown a game player. it's hard yeah. to do so I think that could push him down a little bit. Will it make him not an RB1? I don't know, but he would be the guy that definitely stands out to me. Craig, what about you? I think it's DeAndre Hopkins. Um, DeAndre Hopkins does two things really well. He catches deep balls, and he's great when the quarterback is out of the pocket. And last year, Kyler Murray didn't throw a ton of deep balls, and he was one of the worst passes in the league when out of the pocket. And I'm not saying that that's why it's going to fail, but that's not great. And you pair that with just the fact that these two have never played together and he's a sophomore now in the league. And I don't know, you know, I, I think it could take some time for relation, for the relationship to kind of work out. Um, 
It's kind of like those video, you know, when you uh, you see the videos of the cat and he just put they put like boots on the cat and he like doesn't know how to walk at first and it's like really awkward. <laughs> Kittens. That's a Charlie. Ki- He's a wild card for it's always sunny. It's your <laughs> fellow tired wild of cats making all that noise. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know. So you're saying that Kyler Murray's going to put Kit Minnens on DeAndre Hopkins? Am I following you? Or DeAndre? I, I think the other way around. I think because it's oh. Kyler Murray's the one throwing the ball, so he's the cat, he, and and DeAndre Hopkins is the mittens on Kyler Murray's feet. And I think it could take a little while for the cat to start walking normally. Okay. Um, wow. I, that is. I, I I don't. I'm not following. First of all, do you throw balls? Like, I don't have a cat. I've never been a cat guy. I just admitted this. And Mallory Rubin now is going to just disown me. I'm just saying this new gadget uh, on the Cardinals is cats or the cats throw the ball. I've never owned a cat in my life. All I'm saying is I've watched a lot <laughs> of TikToks. Super evident at this moment. I've watched a lot of TikToks of people putting boots on their dogs and cats, and it's very <laughs> difficult for them to watch, and it's also hysterical. All I'm saying oh is that there could be some some growing pains for DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray because their skill yes. sets are kind of different right now. That's so, so uh halfway through the season, if he's like a bottom, if he's like a the wide receiver 28, he's gonna have to have a huge second half of the season to make up for it to finish in the top 12 in his position. I actually agree that Hopkins is the guy that will fall out because he's ranked as like the third receiver, but I don't agree that actually it's because of the differing skill sets because I think that Murray, I mean, I believe, I mean, DK, you were the one who pulled a stat out a couple weeks ago that uh, Mur- Murray was one of, was shockingly accurate on the few deep passes he threw last mm-hmm. year for a rookie. He was stunningly accurate on deep passes. And also, if you just watch him, like, he kind of just whips a pass out each game. That you're like, well, and you pair that with just the way they spread the offense around. It's like, is he going to get the targets? Yeah, the larger issue is DeAndre Hopkins getting 170 targets, 150 targets with the Cardinals. I think that's the larger problem. Um, yeah. And the Cardinals being surprisingly run-heavy with Kenny and Drake. But I also agree that Aaron Jones, the running back, just 19 touchdowns is hard to do, man. Like, you can get 12 touchdowns and still have a good season, but, like, that's still... Uh, math is hard. That's still 42 points less. <laughs> you know, that's still, you know, that, that's still four points less per matchup, basically. It's, that's a lot. And that's enough to drop you from a uh, number one running back to a number two. Okay. The flip side of that trade. We have, someone asked, how high is too high to draft David Johnson? Uh, on Fantasy Pro's website, David Johnson is currently ranked as the RB28. He's 72 overall, but that's before the trade. I don't think they've updated this since. So 72 overall, 20th among running backs. Where would you put him now, DK? Oh it's March. It's r- March, but first rounder, second rounder, 11th rounder. Wh- where do you want him? Definitely, I would not take him in the first or second round. I do think his situation improves, and, and the reason, you know, if they went out and did this, and they clearly think a lot of him since they're trading a great player for him and paying him a lot of money, that it seems as though they're going to give him a big role in that offense. So the volume is what you're chasing. So I could see him being, you know, worth a pick. Yeah, I think he's definitely a third rounder, and he might be a second rounder. And might, might I mean, I can see someone taking him. I wouldn't be shocked if. Someone in your league takes him 10 with the 10th pick. That wouldn't blow my mind. In the first round? Yeah. I mean, I, I think oh my gosh. I mean, look, he was a first rounder last talented. year. I know. He's shockingly young. Like, you know, it's like people treat him like he's like 31. It's like he's not. I don't know, but if he's shockingly young, he's like 28. I mean, that's, that's not 28. Old, yeah, yeah, he turns 29 in December. Back. Yeah, but he's yeah, 28 he'll be, years old. So it's not like he's, you know, he's not an old geezer. And I think people seeing 28, Hopkins is gone. You're on that offense. Like, I, I wouldn't be stunned if someone thought he was worthy of the 10th pick i don't think oh, yeah, he is, I mean, but i think that he might end up being on that 12 border or at the very least probably middle teens somewhere after you know nick chubb and people go off the board i think that he'll look really tempting um right before you get to like the 20th pick i think that's what sure don't get me wrong i mean I, i'm already going to be strongly hooked to david johnson this year i'm already seeing that now 
Wow. Really? Give us, oh, give us yeah. the pitch. Yeah. I don't know why. Oh. I'm just, it's just alluring. There's just something about, I like, I've always liked David Johnson. You, you always want to chase that. What did he have? The 20 touchdown year? Was it more than that? 22 touchdowns? Chase touchdown? the horizon. I, I think he's so talented and it's just one of those things where you know it can happen again. It's like you're hoping. It's like he, he's singing a song and I can't get it out of my head. It's like the sirens from the Odyssey. You know what I mean? You got to really. It's like a crush. Yeah, it's like a crush. Yeah. And I, Butterflies I just, in your stomach. I'm going to be in on, just like I loved Leonard Fournette last year. I can see that I'm going to love David Johnson this year. They're, <laughs> they're going to need to get him the damn ball for what they did. I mean, if yeah. anybody has a good chance, it's him. You're saying DJ's the Lenny Fournette of 2020? Are, uh, are, are we saying Tentatively. Right I'll pencil that in. There's no ink. But uh, we'll see. <laughs> Until David Johnson makes his Twitter background God in the Sistine Chapel creating David Johnson, <laughs> I will not believe it. I don't think okay. I'm, I'm not taking him that high, just for the record. But yeah, first round. No. You guys, well, you guys, yeah, you guys well, might, see. you guys might benefit from that. I just don't. I don't see it. I can. I'm already excited to have a lot of David Johnson stock this year. <laughs> All right, last one. Nick Lewis. Lamar asked. So Lamar's the first quarterback. Mahomes the second quarterback. Who's the third quarterback off the board? He says Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, or who? So I went directly to Dak Prescott. Quietly was really, really good last season. And he gets Amari Cooper back. He gets, you know, he's got Gallup in there. He's, they're going to probably feature Blake Jarwin a little bit more. I just think this offense could take a step forward again. But then again, you have a coaching change. I don't know how that's going to go. I don't know. This is tough. There's, there's multiple guys that you could really pencil in there as the number two guy. I mean, I think it's worth noting James Winston finishes the fifth quarterback in fantasy last year and is just not, might just not have a job entering the year. I think that's uh, <laughs> worth noting. And then I was uh, yeah, going to say, I, like, Dak Prescott did finish third last year. Broader, yeah. The broader point to me here is that don't take, like, I don't want anyone at the third quarterback. Like, I get if you're going to want Lamar. I think Lamar will challenge, like, look, on this podcast, we're all about waiting to take a quarterback. Lamar will fundamentally challenge that this year because what he brings is so different than what anyone else has brought to the NFL. And then Mahomes is Mahomes. I think that those guys might buck the trend. But I think I'm going to go ahead and take a wild gander that the three of us are still probably going to recommend waiting on quarterbacks. And I think that there is nowhere more true of that than if Lamar and Mahomes are already off the board because Dak being the quarterback three doesn't mean go get Dak. Right. It means that Dak was like the 12th guy off the board last year. Go go look at like 10 through 20 this year. And if you look at just, I mean, you just list the names. It's kind of stunning the guys that you'll be able to get at the quarterback position, right? Because Lamar and Mahomes are going to be the first two guys off. And then you've got Russell Wilson, Deshaun, who just lost DeAndre, Kyler Murray, Dak, Josh Allen, like Rodgers. Th- those are the next guys. But you started like the ninth quarterback, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Matt Stafford, Tannehill. Stafford is a great Baker, this year. Roethlisberger. Jared Goff, Tom Brady, like those are the guys you can get pick two of those four. So I'd rather have Tom Brady or any two of Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Baker. Hello, Baker. Talk about post type sleeper. Give me two or three of those guys. I'm not I'm not taking Russell Wilson with the third with, as the third quarterback off the board. Yeah, but I mean, his question is, who is the QB three? I mean, I know we're going to not recommend you draft one, but I, if I had to pick who the QB three is, I think it's Russell Wilson. Why? He's the most consistent. He's been like a top seven quarterback, I think, for like maybe every year he's been in the league. And he's added two weapons in Greg Olson and Philip Dorsett this year. They were a slow team last year. He's expressed interest in speeding it up this year. They're going to hopefully have a healthy Carson and Penny back. I mean, he was the the QB5 last year. Uh, It seems like that's around his floor over the last three years. So I, I think that's why he would be the QB3. I thought you were going to say Philip Dorsett is going to unlock Russell Wilson. 
No, that'll come in April after the draft when we're really struggling for content. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, well. until then. Although, nice segue, Craig. We will be covering the crap out of the draft for each of the next four weeks. Looking at DK, how much tape have you been grinding? Oh, my gosh. This has been my life right now. Um, Do you have any tape left to grind? I feel like it's all ground. There's there's always more tape to grind, Danny. (laughs) There's always tape. There's never. You can never get to the end of the tape. Um. Yeah, we got a big update coming up with the NFL Draft Guide at TheRinger.com. On People can find that at NFLDraft.TheRinger.com? Yeah, so I think it's going live on Thursday. We're going to have the top 75 overall players on my big board, um, full scouting reports, player comps. Um, you can scroll through it. You can deep dive, peruse. And it looks great on your phone. NFLDraft.TheRinger.com. Look it up on your phone. The mobile is a beautiful, a beautiful creation that DK has. Thank you. Yeah, I've been winded through. I've I've been, as Danny and Craig can can attest, I've been very stressed lately because I've been grinding the tape hard to try and get this out. And so it's your uh, second child. Really, very proud of it. And I think it's it's very cool format, which I don't actually have anything to do with, but I'm going to go ahead and take credit for anyway. The format is amazing. The the UI or whatever. So please check it out. Would you say it's your second child? (laughs) Yes, I would. At this point, it it is in my life. All right. Who do you love more, the draft guide or Calvin? (laughs) Yeah. I'm gonna have to go with Calvin on this one. Nah, by hair. Yeah, right, you win the bet. Favorites. Speaking of, have you seen told. Calvin's hair? It's amazing. No, I, tw- yeah, I tweeted. Out, I tweeted out a picture of it the other day. Calvin has literally majestic hair. This is my nine-month-old son. Everyone, please go to Danny B. Kelly on Twitter <laughs> and and look at this flowing flowing it's, lock photo. It's magnificent. I just am so jealous of it. It's, it makes me mad. Calvin Calvin Kelly, baby Babytron for Calvin Johnson. It's beautiful. Your favorite <laughs> yeah. son. Our our favorite of your sons. All right. Check check out the photo. Check out the photo of his other son. Check out NFLDraft.TheRinger.com. <laughs> Thank you to everyone for listening. Check out this podcast next week where we will be back with draft content. Thank you to Craig for editing this far hey, away. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. And thank you to everyone for listening. Everyone stay, stay healthy and stay safe. And we'll see you back next week. 